Uh, so I just need to tell you something before we go any further with this lesson series that uh, we began last week. Here it is. I don't like fruit. There you go. I, I, I said it. Um, I, I don't like fruit. I, I don't like grapes. I don't like apples. I don't like oranges. I, I don't like strawberries. Which is really surprising because I don't have a problem with grape juice or apple jacks or orange rolls or strawberry ice cream. I have no problem with those things. I really don't. And I think I've been told, uh, Penny Pirtle, I saw you coming in. Uh, you've told me I've got texture issues. Uh, Miss Penny, she is an occupational therapist, and she works in uh, elementary schools and things like that. And she has told me that if I was currently in school, I would see her on a regular basis. <laughs> but, but fruit is just too squishy. And it is just too juicy. I've heard people describe eating fruit as a flavor explosion in your mouth. No, thank you. I, I don't want an explosion of E-type in my mouth. Now look, I enjoy Fruit Loops. And in my younger years, I ate the occasional fruit roll-up. But I, as a rule, I, I just don't like fruit. I don't. Now, I wish I did. I do. I wish I liked fruit because so many of you look so happy and healthy while you're eating fruit. Those little chunks of pineapple that you like to have and that little fruit cup, it looks great, except when it's on a pizza. All right? Now, how many of you like ham and pineapple pizzas? I know this is big for, for my wife. All of you, that is just gross, right? I mean, there is no place for that in a Christian's life. I mean, the, some things are not to be mixed. Be un, do not be unequally yoked together, Scripture says. And I'm pretty sure Paul was talking about ham and pineapple. Now look, I wish I could grab, I wish I could just grab an apple and take a big chunk out of it. And, and I wish I could just eat a slice of watermelon on a nice summer's evening, because uh, apparently that's what a lot of normal people do. But I'm not normal. I don't like fruit. But I love chicken. Okay? I love chicken. And so you just go ahead and keep on enjoying your little fruit cup, and I'll just eat another chicken tender. Now, I know that chicken is not as good for me as the fruit that, that you like to eat. I get that. And and I know that I should really try to save a chicken from having to go through life without its fingers, but it's just so good, especially when it's fried with the 11 herbs and spices. And so I'm just going to leave the fruit eating to the rest of you, and ever so often I will enjoy something that's made with real fruit flavors, okay? That's, that's what I'm going to do, and wow, I feel so much better now. Thank you for letting me get that off my chest, considering... We're in a series right now that's called Got Fruit? And my answer is, no, I don't. I'm sorry. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't do the fruit. But this series is all about how the Holy Spirit wants to cultivate the character of Christ into the life of every believer. And so when it comes to that, before I say, no, I don't have any fruit, I need to be really careful, right? And so do you. The Apostle Paul described the character formation that we're talking about 
as fruit when he wrote to a group of churches that were in the area of Galatia in what is modern-day Turkey. And he encouraged these Christians to, to allow the Holy Spirit to guide their lives. He said, walk in the Spirit. He said, keep in step with the Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide your life, he says, and as a result, God will produce in you the characteristics of Jesus. His love and his peace and his joy and his patience, the kindness of Jesus, the goodness of Jesus, his faithfulness, his gentleness, and even his self-control. And so we began talking about this last week, and, and we acknowledged how that when we allow the Spirit to have influence in our life, when we acknowledge the Holy Spirit's presence there, the Holy Spirit will keep us from landing on either two ends of the extremes of the spiritual spectrum. Being able to be guided by the Holy Spirit will, will keep us from either legalism, which is all about keeping the rules, or license, which is all about there are no rules. And so we're asking ourselves, you got fruit. Am I displaying more and more the character of Christ? Is there evidence of the Holy Spirit's impact in my life? We're asking. We want to know. It's an important question as we go through our life as disciples of Jesus. And, and now really, I think it's rare to run across people who don't like fruit. Now, I'm not talking about the dislike of apples and, and pears, but I have a hard time finding people that don't like love. Haven't really found anyone that says, I hate joy, just don't like it. Or people that say, I don't want any peace. We like these things. In fact, all we have to do is scroll through our social media accounts and we will see post after post, comment after comment on how we all need to be more loving and that we need to be more kind, how we need to be more patient and that we need to look out for the good that's in this world. We love that fruit. We want that fruit. And I think that we would all agree that our society is in dire need of that fruit being present and being demonstrated. So what gives? Why, why does it seem that there is a lack of fruit, there's a lack of this type of character that we're talking about when it's in such demand? I think it has something to do with the fact that those characteristics that the majority of society and the majority of you and I would agree are, are so needed and so wanted, they're just not grown on our branches. Okay, that fruit's not grown on our branches. It's the fruit of the, what? Spirit. It's not your fruit. It's God's fruit. It's his character being revealed through you. It's the result of a God centered life and so it, it kind of makes sense then right think about this with me if it's his fruit why should we be surprised when a society that more and more rejects the very reality of God looks around and says where's all the love where, where, where's the peace where's the goodness in this life makes sense right it's the result of a God-centered life. It's also why that on our own, without God, our attempts to be more loving and to be more joyful, to, to be more gentle, more self-controlled, these attempts just leave us at best worn out and at worst just frustrated because you know what? It's not your fruit. 
It's not mine. It's God's fruit that is being revealed through you. You see, the fruit that you and I bear, the fruit that grows and hangs on our proverbial branches, it's a totally different type of fruit. And it gets us in a whole lot of trouble. See, here's the idea. Paul describes in Galatians chapter 5, and I'd love for you to go ahead and open your Bibles, take out your phone, whatever it is that you like to, to see Scripture on, and find Galatians chapter 5. It's there in your New Testament about midway through. Think about go eat popcorn, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I know that doesn't help you find Galatians, but it's a fun thing to remember. Galatians chapter 5. And the Apostle Paul, he's going to write here how every believer lives in constant conflict. Not constant contact, right? That's what we try to live in today with all of our ways to, to, to message one another and, and to stay close, right? But that's not what he's talking about. He's saying that we live in constant conflict because of our human nature, because of our sinful nature, he will talk about, the desires that we have. And he says that these desires want what is opposite or what is contrary to the very Spirit of God. So here's what he says in verse 17. That's what he talks about. He explains the reason why we are not the people that we desire to be, why we're not as loving as we want to be. We're not as filled with peace. We don't do the things that we want to do. Instead, we go and do those things that are the opposite of what we say we really want to be about. Here's the reason for it in verse 17. The sinful nature wants to do evil. Some of your Bibles you're reading, and maybe it talks about the flesh, this, this, this earthly body that we have, this humanity that we exist in. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. They're on opposite sides of the spectrum, he says. He continues saying the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. They're in constant conflict. There's a struggle that's going on inside each and every believer, he says, and because of this, you are not free to carry out your good intentions. The reason that you're not loving the way that you want to be loving or that, that you are not at peace the way that you desire to be at peace is because there is a no-holds-barred grudge match that's just going on within you. It's each and every day. This struggle, this fight going on between your sinful nature and then the desires of the Spirit. In the life of every believer, there are these two opposing forces. And they go back and forth. They're constantly fighting. It's just like you as you were growing up with your siblings. And your parents were like, will you ever stop fighting? How many of you had to wear the get-along shirt? Anybody have to do that? Some of you guys? Um, how many of you had to go out and... and Pick your own switch. Anybody have to do that? You had to go out and, and get your own switch, right? How many of you, your dad took you out to the backyard, put boxing gloves on you, and just said, all right, go at it until you're done? We got any of those? See, Anna? Yep, now we're getting old school here, right? It's the spirit. It's the, it's the sinful nature going back and, and forth. And guys, the only way to enjoy the fruit of the spirit is to turn away from the desires of the sinful nature. But it's just so difficult because while we like the results of having Christ's character, we like the taste of the fruit. We like the fruit's flavor. There are just other things that our sinful desires want more. We want the chicken, right? We want the chicken, 
but we like the flavor of the fruit. And here's a simple truth I think we often missed. We are always excited to talk about the fruit that we want to enjoy. It's not uncommon to be in settings like this and to be a part of different church groups and to be in a Bible class or go through some type of of spiritual growth conversation and and talk about being a more loving, joyful, peaceful, self-controlled individual. But oftentimes in those conversations, we skip over We skip over the fact that the influence of the Spirit is proportional to our desire for what the Spirit offers. Think about this. The influence of the Spirit is proportional to our desire for what the Spirit offers. Because the Spirit of God cannot produce what I do not desire. Can't do it. The character of Christ is not going to be forced onto me. The character of Christ is not going to be forced onto any of you. Just because you're a believer in Jesus does not mean that God is going to force you to think and to act and to be like Jesus. We've got to be willing instead to say no to self and yes to God. But here's where things get tricky. You see, we've been convinced that it's possible to say yes to both. We have been convinced that it is possible that I can say yes to myself and to the selfish desires and the selfish wants and needs that I have. Those things that I say, this would really taste good in my life. And I can still say yes to God. I can still say yes to God's holiness and God's righteousness. And I can still say yes to God's direction. We talked about this a little bit last week, if you were here, how that our freedom in Christ can often be perverted into a license just to throw off all restraint and to say, guess what? In Jesus, there are no rules at all. You just do what feels good because God loves you. And because God loves you, well, just do it. That's the message that we've been hearing more and more. God loves you. So you and and everything about you is okay. Your desires are okay. Even if they're sinful. Your language is okay, even if it's vulgar. Your relationships are okay, even if they're not God-honoring. And your attitude, man, your attitude is okay, even if it is selfish. Everything about you is okay, because God loves you. You can say yes to God, and you can say yes to yourself. That's the message that we're hearing over and over and over. But the Apostle Paul says, no, you can't. It's it's not possible because you and God want two totally different things for your life. You can't say yes to both. But because my sinful desires, my, my self, this flesh, wants what is opposite of the Spirit of God. And what God desires for my life, what God desires for me to be about, what God desires for me to experience is totally opposite of what my flesh desires. The desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. These two things are opposed to each other. And friends, we cannot say yes to two opposing forces. We have to choose one. You you, do. You've got to choose one. You, You either say yes to God or you say yes to yourself. It's either or. So think about it like this. How many of you have ever had a gym membership? Now I use this in the past because most people, once you get one, you realize, you know what? Nah, 
don't really need this, right? But how many of you have ever had a gym membership? We got some people? How many of you? Good, good. Go ahead and own it. Go ahead and own it and say, I used to have a gym membership. Yes, I did. Some of you might still have one. Well, let's say that you're on your way home from the gym, and it's a hot day, and you have worked hard. And so you decide on your way home that you're just going to pull into the Dairy Queen. I mean, it's right on the way home. And you've got some extra time, so you pull into the Dairy Queen and you order a blizzard just so you can cool off. I mean, it's no big deal. One cookie dough blizzard with some Oreo. It's not going to break the bank. And boy, does it taste good. And you start to think, you know what? I am going to make this a regular part of my workout routine. I'm going to swim some laps. I'm going to run on the treadmill. I'm going to hit the spin class. And then I'm going to eat a blizzard. <laughs> now, some of you are saying, what's wrong with that? That's the way I roll. I mean, that is me at the gym, right? That, that is what I do when I'm at the gym, on the way home. I mean, that's me. But if it is you, is it really fair then for you to step on the scales a few weeks or a few months later and become upset because there's not much of a change? There's not much of a change going on because you're eating blizzards as part of your workout routine? But guys, this is what so many of us do. We're on the treadmill, eating a blizzard, and wondering why we're not seeing any results. We're saying, God, I want you to grow this fruit in my life because I want my relationships to be different. I want my life to be different. I want to stand out. I want to be a, an impactful part of your kingdom. God, please, uh, love and, and joy and, and peace and patience and kindness. And, but all the while, all the while that I'm asking God for that, I'm saying yes to the blizzard. Yes to my sinful nature. You understand, it, it's not fair for us to come one day a week to church and talk about the fruit of the Spirit, to talk about love and joy and peace and patience and, and to ask God to cultivate the character of Christ in our lives. And the rest of the week, we're just going to go and enjoy the blizzard of our sinful nature. We're going to say yes to self. So before... So before Paul talks to us about enjoying the Spirit's fruit, he says spiritual growth happens when you first deal with the, the blizzards in your life. It first happens when you deal with that sinful nature and you, you turn from yourself and you turn toward the Spirit of God. The influence of the Spirit is proportional to our desire for what the Spirit offers. Friends, the Spirit of God, I'm going to say it again, cannot produce what I do not desire. The character of Christ is not going to be forced on any of us. We've got to be willing to say no to self and yes to God. And so here's a question for you and for me. It's not rhetorical. But by all means, just answer this in your own heart and your own mind. What are the blizzards of the sinful nature that you need to say no to? So that the Spirit can produce the character of Christ in your life. I just want you to take a second. I just want you to think. And normally the answer to this question 
you're going to find the answer being, what are those things that you try to rationalize that God is okay with? What were those things where you tried to come up with an argument and a reason why you can still do this or be that or think this way or, or live like this or talk like that? Just look to see where you rationalize and that'll show you where your blizzards are. What desire is currently fighting with the Spirit for control of your life? Now in verses 19 through 21, Paul gives a list. Now it's not a comprehensive list, but he he does give us what he calls the acts of the sinful nature, the acts of, of the flesh, the results of saying yes to ourself. And he goes, look, this is your fruit. He says, all right, if you want to know what your fruit is, if you want to know, if you just constantly say yes to self, here are the things that you're going to be seeing in your life. It's what naturally grows in a person's life. It's what naturally grows in the life of a person who does not have God as its center. He just lists some of the desires and actions that are constantly wrestling with the Spirit. He begins it this way. He says, The acts of the sinful nature are sexual immorality, impurity, and lustful pleasures. Now the first three deal with sexual sin. The first word deals with sexual activity that's outside of, of marriage. It's sometimes referred to as fornication. Any sexual activity that is not between a husband and a wife, is included in this word that is translated as sexual morality. The second word, translated impurity, is what happens in our mind. It's, it's the lust. It's, it's not necessarily involving another individual. There's no physical action. It's just the thoughts that we begin to entertain. It's, it's impurity. Sometimes it's called being unclean. The third word, Maybe if you're reading from a text that says debauchery is a word that captures the idea of living for sexual pleasure. It's the reason that you wake up in the morning. It's what you're thinking about during the day. It's what's on your mind when you fall asleep at night. It's this idea that if it feels good, you do it. It, it literally is a life without restraint. There is no rules, and I'm just going to do whatever it is that my body wants. Now, here's what I want you to catch very quickly here in Paul's list. What we find here is that what Paul defines as a deadly desire, our culture tends to define as a delicious blizzard. You with me? Everybody with me what I'm talking about? Paul says, look, th this is what you need to get rid of. This is what you need to turn away from and remove from your life. But everywhere we look, there are these pictures of everyone enjoying just a big old cup of sexual immorality and impurity and debauchery, and the not-so-subtle message is, this is what everybody should be ordering. This is what you should be enjoying. This is what you should say yes to. And so Paul says, look, I know it's not the message that you want to hear. I know it's not the message that everyone else is giving you, but this is something that you need to deal with. It's your sinful nature, and it will destroy the fruit of the Spirit. He goes on with the list, verse 20. He talks about idolatry and, and witchcraft. Idolatry is the worship of, of anything or, or anyone that is not God. And you might not have a graven image that's there in your house sitting there on an altar, but maybe you do bow down to whatever is parked in your garage. Or it may be a relationship to someone. It might be your career. 
Anything that you are living for, if that's what you get up for in the morning, if that's the purpose of your life, then it has begun to replace God. Paul says, look, it's idolatry. It's a false God. And it's not going to allow the Spirit to produce what the Spirit wants to produce. Because you're wanting one thing and God is wanting the other. Now, closely connected to this idea is, is it says witchcraft or, or sorcery. And I'm pretty confident thinking that you're sitting out there this morning going, wow, whew, finally one that doesn't apply to me. All right. Boom. But hold on. The English word is actually a little misleading. Uh, the word in, in Greek is pharmakia. And it means an enchantment brought on by medicine or drugs. It's the change of a person's personality or actions due to a drug-induced state. You see, it was not uncommon during ancient times for individuals to take various drugs or, or potions while engaging in some type of, of idol worship. And now all of a sudden, this desire is starting to hit a little bit closer to home, right? You see, our, our sinful nature encourages us to drink or to, to smoke or to swallow or to sniff or to inject anything that will be an enchantment for our minds or for our bodies, yeah, I don't have to tell you the result of this fruit, right? I mean, you, you've seen it in, maybe you've seen it in your own life. You've seen it in the life of family members. You've seen it, the effect that it's having in our society. But let me say this. Friends, just because something is legal does not mean it is holy. Just because something is legal doesn't mean it's holy to God. And just because something is accepted does not mean that it is healthy or wise for the follower of Jesus. The desire for drug-induced delight is contrary to the desire of the Spirit of God. And he goes on. He's not done. I mean, he's just hammering. Boom. Boom. And he's just hitting us right between the eyes. And the list just continues. He talks about hatred and discord. There's arguing. There's jealousy. There's fits of rage. There's selfish ambition. There's dissension. There's factions and envy. And we're, we're going to hit on these as we go through and look at the fruit that's produced by the Spirit in weeks to come. But all of these are related on how we treat and how we get along with each other. And then Paul ends the lens this way. He just says, he ends this list by saying, and then there's drunkenness and there's wild parties and, and sins like this or, 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 or and the like. In other words, we said this last week for those people who are like, man, I'm so glad he didn't talk about my sin. He did. He did. He said, and sins like this. He says, and, and stuff like this. It's not a comprehensive list. But most commentators would agree that what Paul does here, he intentionally combines acts of the sinful nature that are considered to be more heinous to believers with acts of the sinful nature that are considered to be more acceptable. Because there is this tendency for us to look at our lives and say, well, I, I don't do that. And, and I don't do that one right there. And boy, I surely don't do that. But we look at these things and we say, well, I, I don't do this one. I don't do that one. And so I don't have to worry. And then we begin to overlook the blizzards of jealousy and the, the blizzard of selfishness and the, the blizzards of pride and anger. And we don't realize that they are just as opposed to the fruit of the Spirit. And so Paul mixes these things together. Many of us would say that some of those sins are acceptable. They're expected. 
And he mixes those with things that we might look at and say, well, no, those are a little bit bigger deal maybe there. But friends, in God's economy, and when it comes to what these sins do to our souls, it's the same. I cannot say yes to self and yes to God. I can't do it. It's why Paul ends this particular this particular phrasing in verse 21 by saying, look, the people who do these things, who just constantly keep saying yes to themselves, yes to their sinful nature, they're not going to enjoy the kingdom of God. Because you can't say yes to God and just keep saying yes to self. The sinful nature and the spirit, they want two different things. It's not possible. You see, the results, I think, guys, of saying yes the results of saying yes to our sinful nature, I mean, it's all around us. It's all around us. Our society is reaping the harvest of never having to be told no. Never having to be told no. We see it in our homes. We see it in our schools. The results are all over our neighborhoods. We see it in our politics. And this, this past week I found out we even see it at amusement parks. Look at this kid right here. Can you see it there in the back? A 13-year-old boy had to be freed from a claw machine at a North Carolina amusement park after he climbed inside hoping to score a prize. Yeah, he's actually inside that, that claw machine. A medical response team had to come and unlock the machine in order to get the boy out. And he received a year-long ban from the park. Yeah, he's banned from the park for a year because of attempted theft. Now, now at what point, I wonder, at what point, I, I just wonder, did this kid begin to realize, mm, maybe this is not the best idea? I mean, at what point was it? Did he think it might not have been the best idea to crawl inside the machine? I mean, he's 13 years old right? He should know better. What, what Was there a Houston, we've got a problem moment? I mean, was there a time when he was like, man, I'm glad my hips are small? I mean, I don't know. He was trying to slide through that thing. Or did it not occur to him maybe until he was fully on the inside and he's just kind of sitting there waving at everybody? Guys, some of you are climbing in this machine right now, if I can just be honest with you. And you're trying to say yes to God, and you're trying to say yes to yourself. And it's just a little bit uncomfortable. In fact, this lesson has made you uncomfortable today. But you're still going to leave here determined to satisfy your desires. Uh, others of you, you're already in the machine. You're in the machine. You've gone all the way, and you're reaping the results of your sinful choices and you're boxed in and you're embarrassed and you're waiting for someone to come and unlock the cage that you're, you're trapped in. I want you to know something this morning. Okay, I, I, I want you to be sure and understand because when we go through a lesson like this, we talk about how that it is so easy to say yes to self and, and eat, eat the chicken and, and enjoy the blizzard. And when it's so easy to be able to, to turn from God and just to turn to whatever our desires want, you need to hear this as well. 
Every one of us has the opportunity to reap a different kind of fruit. All right? Look, just because that you, you, you're crawling up into that machine or, or just because maybe you're already sitting there does not mean that you can't be unlocked. It does not mean that you cannot get out. It doesn't mean that just because you've been saying yes to self and yes to God that you cannot, through that Holy Spirit's power, be able to, to learn to say, you know what, I'm going to turn and focus more on God today. But my focus is going to be on, on God and, and the fruit that he wants to display in my life. We can all reap a different kind of fruit, a better fruit. We have the opportunity to say yes to love and to joy and to peace and to patience and to gentleness and to goodness and to kindness and to self-control. And we have that opportunity because we serve a good and loving and joyful and peaceful and patient and gentle and kind and self-controlled God. Friends, what are the blizzards of the sinful nature that you need to ignore so that the Spirit of God can produce fruit in your life? Now, you're not going to get what you don't desire. And if you don't desire the things of God, you will not receive the things of God. The character of Christ is not going to be forced on you. But let's be honest. We have seen what saying yes to our own desires has produced. So why don't we find out what saying yes to God can do? Because I promise you, you will love his fruit. Father, I just pray this morning that as we go through this study together and as we, as we begin to ask ourselves, is there, do I have fruit? Is there fruit here that we're going to remember that it's not about our fruit, it's about yours? And Father, I pray that for all of us that we would we would this morning make a commitment to you that, that we're going to look more to you and less to ourselves. That instead of trying to play this game where I'm going to say yes to everything that I want and then yes to some of the things that you want, that, that I'm going to stop trying to straddle that fence, that I'm going to stop trying to, to rationalize everything away. Instead, it's going to be yes, God. Yes, Lord. Yes, Spirit. Father, the, the results of, of eating the blizzards of our life, it, it's, it's all around us. We, we, see the, we see the problems that it causes. We, we see the hurt that it brings into our life, the, the pain that we often have. Thank you for providing a different way. Thank you for offering us a, a better fruit, a, a, a different character. Father, that's what we desire in our life. We want to be more like you, more like your son. But Father, first, we have to say no to the blizzard and yes to the fruit. And, and so help us to do that here in this moment. Help us to do that while, while, we, while we are here just for a few more minutes. Help, help, us to, help us to come to a decision. Help us to come to a moment where we say, you know what, all of this living for self, it's all this living for self, it's, it's going to go away because I've got to turn from it. And in this moment, Father, help us to make the commitment that we're going, that we're going to say yes to you. And Father, if that means being baptized into Christ, then let's rejoice and do that. Father, if that means that, 
If that means that, that we need to come before this body here today and to say, you know what? I'm just going to own it, and I'm just going to say that I've been trying to say yes to myself and yes to God, and in church, I want your encouragement to do differently. If it means just being in the pew here this morning and perhaps with tears singing a song of praise to you for the fact that you have not turned away from us even though we have said yes to ourselves so often. Father, whatever it means, whatever that means for us in this moment, I pray that you would give us the strength to carry through, that you would give us the strength to say yes. Father, we thank you for your spirit, for its presence in our life, and for the change that that spirit can make. Make that change in us today and allow us to enjoy the fruit. As together we say this prayer, amen. Church, respond to God as you see fit as we stand and sing.